forgiveness. Yeah, go and give me a hand. Forgiveness is something that we all walk through. Forgiveness is something that we all seem to fight with. Whether it was a someone who was driving too slow in front of you on the way here, or if it was your dad, like we saw in the letter. It's funny, we all, there's only a few things that all of us walk through. There's only a few things that all of us suffer through the same. And forgiveness is one of those. It seems like it's a battle. The time seems like you can't win. It seems like something that we'll never be able to get past. Maybe it's that one herd, that one thing that happened to us. But here at Faith Promise, we roll a little bit different. We're a little bit crazy. And I just want to give you a heads up. If, if you're new here, we're weird. And uh, be careful because you stick around too long, you become like us. We're, we're contagious. Uh, but here at Faith Promise, we believe a little bit different. Um, if, if you've been here uh, any length of time, you've heard a phrase called a hundredfold harvest, which is something we're praying for this year. That, that God would take the seeds that we plant and give us a hundredfold harvest, that we would see something absolutely crazy. Most people say that they can never forgive somebody for that one thing. They can never do that one thing. But here at Faith Promise, we do a little something weird and we believe God's word. Here at Faith Promise, we, 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 we take it as, as truth. And, and, and here at Faith Promise, we do believe that there will be a hundredfold harvest, no matter what wrongs that we've walked through, no matter what that we have, we have felt, because we take his word literally. Something that, uh, a, a revelation that goes along with this that I've uh, went, went through recently. And maybe you've heard the, uh, your worship leader, whatever campus you go to, you've heard a worship leader call you church. Come on, church. Uh, we actually, first, first church that did that was Hillsong. So they sound a lot cooler doing it. Come on, church. They just they sound better all around. Uh, and obviously, I am from Tennessee. You're welcome. And, uh, but I, I was at Fusion and uh, Dylan Howe, our next generation worship pastor, said, come on, church. And I was sitting just right up front with the students, and it hit me right between the eyes, almost like for the first time. He just called me the church. He just called me the bride of Christ. And I, a lot of times we come in this building and we feel weak. A lot of times we come in this building and we feel tired. A lot of times we drug ourselves in here, right? We barely got here. And so many times we feel weak and we feel that it's because of forgiveness, because of something we're holding on to, something that's dragging us down. And we're going to dig into that today. We're going to find out what God says about it. We're going to see some freedom because we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are covered in this power that Jesus Christ died to give us. Can you guys get excited about that all over Tennessee today? I've got some forgiveness that I'm working through right now that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, you see, Pastor Chris and Michelle, uh, they went on a cruise. And uh, as you can see, I'm sitting here, so I didn't go. Uh, actually, it's their 30th year anniversary cruise. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, give them, give them a hand. Um, they've been here for 20 years of that. Uh, I talked to Pastor. He said that uh, the last 25 have been the best. That's when I made my debut and became a part of it. He's welcome. And, uh, but... Um, you know, I was asking them, hey, there's probably a couch in your room. I could come. You know, you wouldn't even know I was there. But then I thought about it, 30th anniversary cruise. I probably don't want to be in the room <laughs> or even on the boat. <laughs> so let's pray for Michelle. No, I'm joking. Okay, so uh, I'll never be up here again, so I might as well do my best. 
Okay, um, here's the deal. Here's what I'd like to do today, because today is incredible. Uh, to, 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 this weekend is going to be just such a freeing weekend. I cannot wait to walk through it with you. Uh, and I just want to preface real quick before we go that you guys are the godly ones showing up on the first nice weekend of the year, showing up to serve God when it's 70 degrees outside. You love Jesus, guys. You love Jesus. If you were on the lake today and you're watching this online, sinner. Sinner. Because I'm here. Okay. Okay, so what I'd like to do first, um, what I'd like to do first is I would like to go over a scripture that Pastor used last week. Um, and if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and flip there. Um, it, it'll be in John 11. He went through it last week. That's the, uh, that's the uh, pastor scripture where Lazarus dies. And, and Pastor walked us through that and said that he used this to show us that we can recover, whether it's physical or emotional, whatever it is, that we can recover through the power of Jesus Christ. And, and, and Jesus shows this by bringing a dead man back to life. Not a dead man as in like the, the boop, 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 like just for a second, for four days. Man was stanking for four days, boop, and God said, get on up, Lazarus. He got up. So we can walk in God's power all over Tennessee and all of our campuses. The altar was full. I'm, I'm our Blount County campus pastor and our Blount County student pastor, and our altar was full. I know it was full all over the place, and this week is going to be exponentially more because a lot of us struggle with recovery. Maybe, maybe it's a, an addiction or something physical that we've been going through, a broken relationship, and it hit p- people all over the room, but today... It's going to hit everybody, the whole church. And I'm not talking about the church in the walls. I'm talking about the church as in the butt that's sitting in your seat. So don't try to hide from it today. God's got a word for everybody in here as we dive into his word. So, so let's, let's go ahead and get rolling in there. If you are, um, if, if you've got your Bible again, go to, go to John chapter 11. And real quick, but just before, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and beat the churchy people to the punch. Uh, who are saying, I don't need to learn about forgiveness, I'm good, um, you know, for, forgiveness isn't, isn't really for me. Before you get on your phone and start Googling where you can get some of these pants, uh, you know, or, or, or something like that, which I'm, I'm going to be honest, can't pull it off, so don't do it. And um, before you do that, let me tell you why I know everybody who needs forgiveness. I've been at Faith Promise for almost six years on staff, uh, was, was a janitor, then a student pastor, now a campus pastor, because we believe in the next generation here. And I love, I love to pray with people. So even when I was a janitor, uh, if, if they ever needed prayer, I would sneak over to the side. And if people were waiting for prayer, I'd walk up, right? So just, just they, they didn't know. They just thought I was a pastor. I was a janitor. Doesn't matter. Um, and uh, what, what I would do is I, I would pray with them. But I've been praying at this campus, at, at all of our campuses for, for six years. And I've prayed with little kids who said, Pastor, I want to get up. I want to walk. I've prayed with uh, little boys who said, Pastor, I want my dad to come home. I've, I've, I've looked at wives in the face and they've looked at me and, and they said, Zach, I, I want my, my husband to come home. The worst one, I was looking at a little girl and, you know, sometimes the prayer request or they seem smaller, uh, you know, my dog's sick or something like that, but this girl looked me in the face and said, uh, three months ago I was raped. And ever since then I can't sleep. When I close my eyes I see it and I, I, I just can't sleep. So just before you sit there and you say, I don't need this because I'm at church today, let's just get real. I love to laugh, I love to joke, but I, 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 there's some chains over your lap that are going to try to hold you in your seat today. And I'm praying that the whole power of the Holy Spirit will fall. I've been praying, begging God for the spirit of prophecy, for the gift of prophecy for this weekend. 
and he's got big stuff for us. So with that, with that seriousness in mind, let's, let's walk through. I'm going to go. I'm going to start in uh, John chapter 11. Forgiveness is essential to being a Christian. If you're a Christian here, forgiveness is essential. It's like uh, it would be like Chick-fil-A without the, without the sandwich, without the, chick, without the chicken sandwich. It's not the same. It would be like the NFL without Peyton Manning, right? It's not the same. It would be like twerking without Miley Cyrus. It's just not the same. Okay, so you, you've got to have forgiveness if you're a Christian. So let's, let's walk through real quick uh, John chapter 11, what Pastor talked about last week, and then, and then I want to get rolling. Because this is not a message that I need to say for a prison ministry. This is a message I need to preach so we can get out of prison today. We can get out of prison of our bondages, of the things that are holding us back, the things we won't let go of. So let, let's not dodge it. Let's take it. Let's take it. Okay, so let's, let's go ahead before I, before I get excited and I run out of time and they cut my mic off. It's, a, it's an ugly situation. Okay, so John chapter 11. I hope you brought your Bible today um, as, but, but, so, or, or on your phone. Click there, whatever. Hey, get there. But uh, what I want to do is I want to read you real quick John chapter 11, 1 through 4, uh, just to refresh your memory. I want to pull some stuff out of this so we can just see before we get rolling in the forgiveness message, we're, we're going to find ourselves being one of two people. In this passage, I want you to find yourself so we can have a little revelation, then we can move on. So let me read it to you. In John 11, 1 through 4, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord's feet with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So uh, the sisters sent for him, saying, Lord, he who, sent, he who, sent, he who you love is ill. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified. This, is, this isn't even on notes. This is just a little BTW nugget for you. Sometimes we go through stuff so God can be glorified. And if you're a Christian, we just have to be okay with that. We just got to get ready for it. We just, have to, we just have to know that, hey, maybe this is what's going to bring somebody to Christ. So let's do it. Let's do it. I got broad shoulders. Let's get it done. Okay, so that, that's just extra. You don't, have to, you don't have to tithe extra for that. That's just yours. Okay, so I want you to know that Mary sent for Jesus. Mary sent for Jesus. The one whom you love is ill. Get here now. Get here now. Lazarus, her brother. I'll have a brother. I love him so much. He gets sick. I'd be okay. But I don't want him to die. So, so she sent for Jesus. Jesus, come on. Lazarus is sick. So I'm going to skip ahead to where Lazarus died. You know, no, no need for the hospital scene, so let's just skip there. Okay, so John 11, 17 through 20. Now Jesus came. He found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Here we go. These, these, this is important. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha ran out to meet Jesus. Mary stayed in the house. Okay, so these two sisters, they're pretty similar, and, but, but they do totally opposite things when they hear Jesus is coming. Martha says, Jesus here, runs out. Why would she run out? Because she's hoping God can do something about the heartbreak that she feels. Martha's hoping that God can switch it up, that God can, that Jesus will be able to change it. But I want to focus on what Mary does. It says that Mary stayed seated in the house. Why was Mary staying seated in the house? If JC's coming, I'm getting out of here. I'm going, I'm going to see him, right? What's he going to do? He's, he's going to change some stuff. But Mary stayed seated in the house. I wonder why. I was thinking, I was praying, very clear. She was pissed at Jesus. Yeah, 
Because he didn't come right when he told her to. I'm married, just like a woman would. I'm just joking. Don't, don't leave. Don't leave. Okay. But she, Jesus didn't come right when she said it, so she sat in the house and sulked. Catch this. She would rather sit inside with a bunch of people who were going to tell her what she wanted to hear. I'm so sorry, Mary. It's so sad, Mary. We love you, Mary. She'd rather sit inside with the people who could do nothing about it instead of running out to Jesus because she was mad at him. Because she was mad at him. Here's my question. Even though you're hurting, even though you're sad, even though you're broken, even though maybe you're a little bit pissed at God, are you willing to get up and run out the door? Or do you want to stay seated around people who can't do jack for you like Mary wanted to? It says that Martha had to go get Mary. She said, Mary, Jesus is going to, he's going to heal Lazarus. He said he's going to do something. Get up. Do you know, I was just thinking about this. Mary would have missed her brother being raised from the dead if her sister didn't go get her. She'd have missed it because she's under the covers having that black tie pity party the pastor talked about. And she invited all of her buddies who want to sit there and say, poor, pitiful me. And miss the miracle. Miss the healing. Miss Jesus remedying exactly why she was down, why she was sad, why she was depressed. I want to find ourselves in one of these two people. Who are you? Are you Mary or are you Martha? Has there been something in your life? that you've been sitting inside over, that you won't get up over because you're mad at God, you're mad at somebody, and let me tell you what, you're going to miss the miracle. I don't know where it's going to happen. I promise I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. If you, if you, if you want to give it to him, go on and give it to him. I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I promise you, you're not going to see it at home under your covers. Okay, so, so I want to tell you one more thing. This is powerful. I want to tell you one more thing out of this verse. In verse 40 of chapter 11, Jesus turns to Mary. Because this is right before he raises Lazarus. Mary's, Mary, or, or, I mean, I'm sorry, he's talking to Martha. Martha was the one that was having the death. They, 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 they didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus turns and looks at him right before he raises Lazarus. And he says, quote, this is not Zach's words. These are Jesus' words. Did I not tell you? That if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Didn't I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Here's the deal. We're going to move on into something that's, that, that has the Holy Spirit all over it because it's God's words, not Zach's words. But can I repeat to you God's words one more time? Because right now you're arguing with me in your head. Right now you're saying, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what, what's, been, what's going on in my life. You don't understand. Well, can I tell you one more thing that Jesus said, not Zach said? If you believe. You will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. What, is that? what does that glory of God look like? It looks like freedom. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like walking outside of bondage. Something that I know so many of us desire in this room this weekend. Okay, so I, I want to move on. Uh, to, to, to something maybe a lot of us have never read. We've heard part of it in the part after we may have never heard or dove into. So if you want to go ahead and flip there, I'm going to start in Matthew 18, uh, verse 21. And at this point, Jesus just got done preaching. And what he preached about was what we do 
when people wrong us. When people wrong us or, you know, they do something bad, what, 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 what do we do at that point? And, and so Jesus does that sermon. <coughs> as soon as he gets done, Peter runs up to him. Peter's part of the uh, 12 disciples. I call him the dirty dozen. He runs up to Jesus, and this is what he says in verse 21. Then Peter came up to him. He said, Lord, how often uh, will I forgive a brother who sins against me? As much as seven times? How many times should I forgive him? Now, that may say, well, why did he throw out seven? That sounds weird. Well, just let me explain to you real quick. The rabbis in that day, or the pastors taught, that you only forgive three times. After you forgive three times, you put separation, you kind of cut that person out. So Peter was trying to be an overachiever. Peter, Peter was trying to do, do, do like over and above. Peter was trying to do, I'll do double that and then one, right? Because that, that's, that's what he thought it was. That's, he just thought he had to do more, and he would do what Jesus wanted. Let's read Jesus' Jesus's answer. And, and he sets up a whole new way of thinking here. Jesus said in verse, uh, verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, Jesus just went way out in left field, but he's about to set up a whole new way of thinking that I want to get into. Because Jesus is wanting Peter to see the essence of forgiveness. He's wanting to start a whole new system. You could call it System 77 if you wanted to. He, he's, he, <coughs> sorry, got some stuff going on. He, he wants them to see that it's not about the quantity of forgiveness. It's not about how many times that you're forgiven. See, a lot of us, we're looking for the lid to forgiveness. How many times do I have to forgive that person? What, what do they do that's so bad I don't have to forgive them? Maybe, maybe, you know, hey, if a husband beats his wife, do, do I have to forgive that person? Is, 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 that, is that how it works? Just let me pause right there. If your husband's beating you, I'm not telling you to forgive him and stay there. I'm telling you to forgive him, leave here, call the cops, move out. And actually, if you'll tell me, I've got some guys at Blount County who are barely saved, and we'll come over there, just barely. Um, but uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't want, I'll, I'll visit that turd tonight. Um, okay, so Jesus wanted to see, that, or Jesus wanted Peter and us to see that it's not about the quantity, how many times. Jesus did not come to, to raise the bar from three to seven. That would be kind of a wasted trip in my opinion if he came down from heaven and died for your sins to raise the bar from three to seven. That seems a little bit weird, but... Jesus came so that there would be no limit to our forgiveness. I'm going to get to how he says it here in just a minute. But he came so there would be no limit to our forgiveness. And that may sound weird. That may make you sound weak. But it, it, it gives us power. I'm going to get into it here in a second. But it gives us power. It makes it to where we're unstoppable. We're invincible to what the devil's trying to do. It makes it to where we, instead of holding on to all of our burdens, we cast them to the foot of the cross. We cast them onto the back of our Savior. And we actually experience the freedom that Jesus came to die for. Okay? All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Come on. Okay. I, I got to preface this real quick, and then they, they will literally cut my mic off. I don't get up. Okay, so I got to preface this, that this parable that Jesus is about to tell is so gospel-centered. It's so gospel-centered that, hey, if Jesus has never forgiven your sins, if, if you don't believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then, hey, by all means, get even. Fight back. Make them pay. Do whatever you want to him. But if you're a Christian in this room, Jesus has died for your sins, and he paid a price that you could never pay, then not forgiving is unbelieving the gospel. And I'm going to get to how that works because Jesus says it. So if you're a Christian here and you're saying, I'm not going to forgive, Jesus is about to light you up. Let's do it. Okay. So 
All right, let's do this. So I'm, I'm in Matthew 18, 23, and it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle his accounts with his servants. He began to settle, and one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, just real quick, 10,000 talents, one talent is 16 years worth of labor. So if you make $20,000, one talent would be $20,000. This guy owed 16. Jesus said this on purpose. This was a by mouth this guy could never pay. It'd be like me saying, you owe me a squillion dollars. But Jesus said that so everybody around would listen. Whoa, that's impossible. He can never pay that debt. That's why Jesus used that number. He, he doesn't do things on accident. And since he could, and this is in verse 25, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife to be sold, his children to be sold, and everything that he had as a payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay everything I owe. Out of pity, the master forgave him and let him go. Out of pity. He knew he couldn't pay it. It was impossible for him to pay it, but he, he let him go solely out of pity, out of grace, out of love. He let him go. Verse 28, but uh, then that same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. That's like 15 bucks. Owed him 100 denarii. He seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe me. Same dude, same day. Went and found somebody, pay me what you owe me. The fellow servant fell to his knees and said, please have mercy with me. I have patience. I will pay you what I owe you. Does that posture sound familiar? Begging? Exactly where that guy was just a minute ago. But he refused, went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt that he owed. When his fellow servants heard this, saw this, they were really distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you the debt you, uh, because you pleaded with me, not because you could pay it back, because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay his debt, which he could never pay. Okay? Whenever we're, in the, we're, we're at the feet of Jesus, we want grace, grace, grace. I'll never do it again. God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry I looked at porn again. I'm so sorry I, I, I got mad, lost my temper. I'm so sorry I cheated. I'm so sorry I did that. Please forgive me, and we want grace. But after we walk out of church, we want justice. When somebody cuts us off, we want justice. We want their car to crash and to see them on the news. In front of God, we want grace. But in front of people, we want justice in our own life. And let me tell you, that's not how this works. That's not what Jesus just set up. He says the grace that you received is the grace that you will give. The forgiven, forgive. The grace that you have received, maybe you're better than me, most likely you are. I've received a lot of grace. So I need to watch myself and how much I give. I don't know about you. You tell me. It also says that that slave would be delivered and tortured until he could pay his debt. This is just a little, little something extra for you. You know whenever we don't forgive somebody, the only person that is tortured is us? When you don't forgive somebody and you're mad at them and you're thinking, oh, gosh, I can't believe they did what they did. They're on the beach, not even thinking about you. And you're up at night, right? Just, they didn't even know it. I read this quote, I wish I could remember her name, and make me sound really smart, but she said, not forgiving somebody is like drinking rat poison, hoping it kills them. <laughs> Who in here is drinking some rat poison? Hmm? It's some of us. Drinking some poison, hoping to hurt somebody else. 
Last thing I want you to see in here, and it's going to recap something I said a minute ago that may, you may went, whoa, Zach, chill out with your bow tie and your green pants. <laughs> Unforgiveness in your heart is direct disobedience, direct disbelief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Direct disobedience. Let me tell you why. Jesus only said one sentence after this parable. Only one sentence. Let me read it to you. Let me read how Jesus summed up this incredible parable. He said, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So he will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you don't give it, you don't got it. It's bad grammar, but it's good preaching. If you don't give it, you don't got it. Jesus is saying you give the same forgiveness that you have received when Jesus died on that cross for you. I want to tell you one more thing. And then, and then, and, and then I, I, I just want to break some change in here tonight. I want to get crazy in here tonight. What happened, what the, what the devil has done is he's made us think that forgiveness is weakness. That if you forgive, they're going to run all over you. If you forgive, then you're, you're not going to see any, any differences. You're going to be a pushover. You're, you're, you're just going to be one of those Christians that, that nobody takes seriously. You'll, you'll just, you know, pe people just run all, all, over, all over you. A lot of husbands in the room. Let's get serious. You're holding on to stuff that your wife has done so that you can still be the boss. And you like to jingle those keys over her head. Women, you do the same darn thing. We hold on to it because we feel like that's where our power's at, is in unforgiveness. Jesus has taught us that that's the direct opposite. Forgiveness is the F-bomb that we need to drop on the world. And we need to stop letting them tell us what's going to make us weak and start listening to Jesus and what's going to make us strong, what's going to make us invincible. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why the devil has ran this on us. Let me tell you why the devil has tricked us. You may have wondered why I have this bit of foliage, and I'm going to tell you. Um, so let me, let me read this verse to you, and I'm going to get into something that I think God's really told me that, that is, a is a game changer for your life, is a difference maker. In Hebrews 12, 15, So see to it that no one fails to obtain grace from God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it might come defiled. Root of forgiveness. There's only two things in the Bible that Jesus says will root into your life. That's money, and that's bitterness and unforgiveness. This is a bonsai tree, a type of bonsai tree. I stole it from pastor's office. Every year, to keep this tree small, they take it out, and they cut the roots off of it, and they put it back in. It's a little loose because they actually just did it. Let me tell you something. You're wondering why I can't grow as a Christian. I can't be the husband I want to be. I can't, I can't be the Christian I want to be. I can't make the difference I want to make. It's because there's no room for your Christianity to grow deep. There's no room for anything to grow deep because you've let the roots of unforgiveness and bitterness take up all your soil. You've let it come down, and every time you start to go somewhere, you, you, just, you just feel the anger rise back up. You'll see a commercial that makes you think of it. You'll see a Facebook status that makes you think of them. You'll see something that just ruins your night. 
C.S. Lewis was, was talking about this, and he said when Jesus said 70 times 7, or 77 times, he, he believes that Jesus was saying that you might have to forgive somebody 77 times for the same offense, because you never get over it. If you don't forgive them over and over again, then you're going to be a bonsai Christian. You think you're going to win your lost friends to Jesus? Being a bonsai Christian? You think you're going to be the husband to your wife, the father to your kids, the world change that God's called you to be, sitting in this tiny pot? We won't. Faith Palms is called to make a huge difference. I got to tell you something. Somebody I love very dearly, and I, I can only tell it in this service, texted me today. He's been running from Jesus for 27 years. And he does sales. He said, I've sat down with a faith promise person every day since Monday. And every day since Monday, I've been witnessed to. And I think I might come to church. Don't, don't clap yet. Because that's incredible. But are you one of those people that are out there witnessing to somebody? Are you out there worried about some offenses that have happened to you? Is that this, all that's on your heart? Are you stuck in this little garbage soil because you're not willing to uproot the unforgiveness. I'm going to pray real quick for us and I'm going to pray for boldness because we're going to take communion here in just a second. Okay? We're going to take communion and, and, and we're going to open up this altar. There's going to be pastors and ministry leaders down front and I want you to come up here and pray with somebody because need I remind you that the greatest battle ever won was won on the words of forgiveness. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The greatest battle ever won was won by Jesus Christ when he was on that cross. And the words he mustered up was forgive them, God. You ready to be a world changer? It's time to let it go today. Jesus, we come before you as your church. We've learned today that that's such an incredible gift to say that we are. Jesus Christ, I pray that we would, we would be game changed, that we'd be willing to uproot the bitterness that's holding us back. God, whatever it is, <laughs> I know we've been wronged, but God, I pray that we would just be a difference maker, that we would, we would be willing to go through that pain to see you move, Jesus Christ. Please help us have the boldness to get out of our seats I can see the roots growing down in chairs all over Faith Promise campuses because the enemy doesn't want people to stand up. Boldness, Jesus, to be world changers. You know, pray. Amen. We're going to take communion. And uh, I just want to reiterate what I just said, that the greatest battle ever won was for your heart. And that was won by Jesus Christ when he looked down and said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And that wasn't just to the Roman soldiers or to the mob. That was to you and that was to me. And the one thing that we do every couple months here to remind ourselves of that battle is we take communion. That juice is supposed to represent the blood that he spilled. And that cracker is to represent the, the flesh that was torn to win the battle. And no matter how much he was wrong, no matter how much his beard they pulled out spit in his face, even though he was the God, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. 
We're going to open this up for communion. We're going to worship. There'll be pastors down here. We're ready to uproot if you are.